All right. Um, it's time for the Word of God. So I'm not going to introduce him. Uh, we already know him, but he might say one or two things about himself and his ministry uh, for those who really don't know uh, Paul. So, Paul, I'll hand over uh, to you. Ah, good morning, church. So good to be with you again. My uh, pastor phoned me in the week and reminded me of this, Sir, we would see Jesus. That's a great reminder to everyone that gets up in the pulpit that, uh, you know, you haven't come to hear me, you've come to hear the Lord. You've come to see what the Lord is going to do. Well, I've had a tremendous time since I was with you last. The Lord has taken me to places like Estonia and Brazil to preach the gospel. And next year, I'll tell a little bit more tonight about that, but uh, next year I'm off to Africa in January and February, and again to Africa in April, and then again different places uh, all over the world. So God is is so good uh, enabling me to... Minister, so lovely to hear that testimony, Pastor. That fits in so well with this evening's message. So uh, come along this evening and I'll be talking about the power of praise and how praise can open doors for us. But if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to John chapter 11, we're going to be speaking this morning about Lazarus. And I'm sure many of us, we've read this scripture dozens and dozens of times And um, it doesn't matter how many times you read something in the Bible, you always get something new. I mean, what what amazes me, I was teaching um, in a church in Blackpool last Sunday, and as I'm ministering, I'm ministering on a subject which I know well, the Lord just reveals so many new things to me. And in my church, we have a Bible study every Tuesday, and again, I was teaching on Tuesday in my church, and when I say my church, I mean the church I go to. I'm, I'm not a pastor. And uh, and as I'm just teaching, the Lord is showing me new things. And I'm, I thought, oh, I'll just stop a minute. I'll just write that down. You know, it was so good. I wanted to write it down, and I was the one teaching. So it doesn't matter how old we are, how many times we've taught something, read something, God could always show us more. Lazarus, resurrection, life. What a tremendous, this should be taught at Easter, I think, not just now, but, you know, we, we are living the resurrection life, aren't we? So we can have a resurrection me- message anytime throughout the year. Now, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. You may think, well, that's not very special, a friend of Jesus. Jesus had lots of friends and, and so on. But the thing is, we're not going to take the time to read all of John chapter 11, but Jesus actually called Lazarus his friend. He said, Lazarus, our friend is sick. Again, I can see some blank expressions here. You're not, I know you're not quite getting this. Back in Old Testament times, calling somebody a friend was quite unusual. Today, we sort of glossed over the importance of friendship with things like Facebook. You know, I've got 5,000 friends or whatever, and and they're meaningless. You don't really know these people. Certainly don't know them very well at all. Well, back in, in Bible times, not many people were called friends. In fact, when we look at the friends of God, only Abraham is called a friend of God. 
In the whole of the Old Testament, only Abraham is called the friend of God. Now, the Bible also says that God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a friend. So we could probably say that Moses was a friend of God, but David isn't mentioned, Noah isn't mentioned, Adam, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of the hundreds of people that we know from the Old Testament, none of them, apart from Abraham and Moses, are called friends of God. So when Jesus said, Lazarus, our friend, wow, for the Son of God to say that someone is your friend, that is so, so special. Let, let me put it this way to illustrate it. I can say to you, oh, the Queen of England is my friend. Now you would say, yes, Paul, of course she is. You know. Just because she came to Liverpool one time years ago doesn't mean she's your friend. But if the Queen walked through that door and said, oh, hello, Paul, my friend, you would look at me and look at the Queen and look at me and think, what? The Queen calls Paul a friend. Wow! Paul must be special. Yeah? Well, I hope you would. I mean, I, I certainly would think I'm special if I'm classed as, you know, one of the Queen's friends. So when Jesus called Lazarus a friend, it was so unusual. Everybody would have done a second take. What? Jesus, you are calling Lazarus a friend. And this is what Jesus does. For his friend. I want to focus particularly on three things that Jesus said in this passage from John chapter 11. First thing that Jesus said in verse 39. John 11, 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. The first thing, take away the stone. Jesus told them, the people, to take the stone away. It could have been quite easy for Jesus to have spoken. Jesus was the creator. Jesus created the world. He could have just spoken and say, stone, roll away. But no, he didn't. He told them to do something that they could do. Jesus will tell us things to do that we can do. He won't tell us to do something it's impossible for us to do. So when Jesus tells us to do something, we should take comfort. It may seem hard. But we can do it. If he says to do it, we can do it. You see, the stone was an obstacle to freedom. To Lazarus's freedom. How many stones do we have in our way that are obstacles to our freedom? To be totally free in Christ. But we'd say stones of sin. Wrong relationships. Maybe things that we do. And these big stones are obstacles to our freedom in Christ. And Jesus is saying to the people, take away the stone. You see, the people put the stone there. That was the last thing they did. They Obviously, Lazarus died. They bound him in the grave clothes. They put him in the tomb. And they put the stone in the way. And then they walked and they went their ways. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. I believe we all have stones, some big, some small, that we need to remove from our lives so that we can have a straight path to freedom in Christ. 
what stones have we got? You know, the people actually went and they started to move away the stone. But Martha said, Jesus, now listen, this is still in verse 39. He says, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. He said he's smelling. He's stinking. She had stinking thinking. She was thinking in the natural. Four days, body starting to decompose. He's dead. He will smell. Bits of his body are decaying. And someone with a medical knowledge will know more than that. But it says four days. What's the significance of four days here? Why not five days or three days or two days or, or, or whatever? Why, why mention four? You know, I, I'm so privileged to be able to teach in uh, different Bible colleges uh, as a guest lecturer. And one of the things I say to the students is that if something is mentioned in the Bible, it's there for a reason. God just didn't need to you know, fill pages with ink. You know, if it's in there, it's in there for a reason, and it's for our benefit. There's something in four days that we need to know. Let me tell you the tradition, that the, the culture of the day, uh, back then for burial. The Jews had a belief, uh, a tradition, more of a superstition, that, that when someone died, on day four, the spirit of the dead body would go to eternity. Eternity heaven, eternity hell. Anytime on day one, two or three after death, the spirit of the dead person could come back into the dead body. And this is why at the, at the funerals you would see lots of people wailing and crying and playing instruments, making a noise, pleading for the spirit of the dead person to come back into their body so that that body could regain life. Now, it's not a biblical teaching. It was just a belief, a culture, a superstition of the day. But on the fourth day, the spirit would just go to eternity and the body would decay and decompose. In other words, when it says it's the fourth day, it means there's no hope. It means there is no hope of Lazarus ever coming back to life. That was the belief of the day. But with Jesus, there's always hope. <laughs> you see, on the day, on the fourth day, no hope, no hope, no hope. Jesus comes into town, there is hope. There is always hope in Jesus. Are you hoping for anything today? Are you hoping in Jesus? That's on the head again, that wonderful, wonderful testimony. Sometimes we have stinking thinking. We think there's no hope. We think, I cannot see an answer. Or maybe that was a testimony. We've all got testimonies. When I was so sick, I couldn't get out of the chair. Some days I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I could think in the natural, there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. But I knew my Bible. I knew that there's always hope in Jesus. And I believe then that when they opened the tomb, when they moved the stone away, the light of day would have shone into the darkness of that cave of the tomb. 
Isn't that wonderful? When we obey Jesus, the light of God shines. We have God's light. He will illuminate situations and circumstances for us so that we can go forward in Him. But we have to be obedient. You know, they put the stone in place. They had the responsibility to remove it. You know, God wants us to be responsible people. He wants us to take action. If we've done something wrong, we need to put it right. If we've done something bad, we need to undo it. God wants us to take responsibility for the things that we do. The good things and of course the bad things. We need to be taking responsibility for these things. So when Jesus said, take away the stone, it wasn't just a simple case of moving a stone away and that's that. You know, I've explained a lot more and there's more in it. You know, time just will not allow us to go into an awful lot more detail here. Number two, the second thing that Jesus said was in verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now I like that. Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You notice that? He didn't just whisper. You know, sometimes it's appropriate to have a whisper prayer if it's a sensitive issue and, you know, if I'm praying for somebody, the church doesn't want the whole congregation to hear what's their problem. That's fine. But Jesus was bold. He said, Lazarus, come forth in a loud voice. He believed that his words would bring forth fruit. Yeah, he spoke. Now, earlier in Jesus' ministry, he'd spent a whole day speaking on the power of words. And so when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he was sowing a seed of life into Lazarus's body. And he knew that that seed would produce the fruit of life within Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Jesus wasn't afraid that if he whispered, and if nothing happens, he doesn't look foolish. I pray for you, but nothing happens. If nobody has heard what I have prayed, and nothing happens, it doesn't matter, as I don't look silly. But if I say, in the name of Jesus, come out of that wheelchair, and the person still is sitting at the end of that, you would all turn around and think, nothing happened. What's he talking about? There's something wrong with him. Jesus didn't have that worry. Lazarus, come forth. He was specific in name. Lazarus, come forth. There could have been other dead people. If Jesus had just said, dead body come to life, or something similar, any dead body in that area would have come to life. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was dead, but Jesus was speaking to a dead body. Can dead bodies hear? Well, we'll find out in a little minute. Can dead bodies hear? You may think that you're in a dead situation, or a dead hard situation. Speak to that situation. Speak life into that situation. Call life into whatever it is. 
Maybe you, you haven't got a job. Maybe you're sickness in your body. Maybe it's a problem in the relationship. Speak life into that. Relationship, come forth. Job, come forth. Healing, come forth. Whatever it is, we can substitute that for the name of Lazarus. I love it that he calls us by name. The Bible says, and this is a little bit further on in John's Gospel, Jesus said, I don't call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what the master will do, but I call you my friends. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus calls all of us, all disciples today, his friends. That means that we are all special. And Jesus turned up for Lazarus. Now the Bible says that uh, God does not show favoritism. So if Jesus turned up for Lazarus and he was a friend, and if you're his friend, is Jesus going to turn up for you? Yeah, of course he is. Lazarus, come forth. He is speaking life into a place of death. With the loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. What do we need to have coming forth in our lives, in relationships? Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He knows your name. Joan, Susan, Dave, Keith, Peter, Mary, whatever. He knows your name. Isn't that wonderful? Now everybody that God calls in the Bible for service, he called by name Abraham, Moses, Moses, Saul, Saul, David, whatever. He calls you by name. And I believe that God is speaking to people in this church this morning by name. And he's saying, you need to come forth. You need to do such and such. He knows your name. Because your name is written in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Isn't that wonderful? And because we're born again believers, we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Our names are written in heaven. It's almost like, have you ever been to one of these social functions? You've been to um, an important dinner or an engagement. Maybe it's an embassy or something. and, And there's a guest list. And you go in and the, the, the usher says, what's your name? And they say your name and they, they look through and say, oh yes, yes, Paul Duckworth, yeah. If you can come in. Heaven has a guest list. It's a waiting list. It's waiting for us. He knows your name. Hallelujah. Verse 44. And he that was dead came forth. Well, that tells us that the dead can hear. This dead body that had been dead for four days, Jesus spoke to a dead body, and the dead body had life come back into it. I think that's such an encouragement for us as a church, as believers. We can speak into a situation. We can speak into a sickness. We can speak into a job situation, a money situation, a health situation. Whatever it is, we can speak into it. And say, job come forth, healing come forth. And that which was dead came forth. Now notice it says, bound head, hand and foot with grave clothes. 
the grave clothes were still around Lazarus. And he was coming out, walking like, like one of these Egyptian mummies wrapped up in, in, in the grave clothes, in the bandages. He's walking out like this. That which was dead is now alive and is coming forward. And it says, and there was a napkin about his face. A napkin about his face. What does that mean? Why is that significant? Again, it could have just stopped with saying there were grave clothes around him. But it says that his face was bound with a napkin. Just turn over a few chapters to John chapter 20. We'll go back to John 11 in a minute. John chapter 20, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. John chapter 20 and verse 7 says this, And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Wow. Wrapped together in a place by itself. Why is that significant? You know, back in Bible times, if there was a wealthy man sitting at a lavish dinner, and they were eating and eating and, and feeding and having great festivities, and they would eat so much that they would have to go and excuse themselves. They were sitting for hours at the table, eating so much. They had to excuse themselves. He would take his napkin and he would fold it and he would place it on the table where he was. That folded napkin meant, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah? Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't invent I'll be back, the Terminator. Ah, this is Jesus. I'll be back. And every servant and every other guest who saw that napkin on the table, thought the Lord and Master has gone away for a time, but he's coming back. Isn't that interesting? Our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, is coming back one day. When a workman was doing a job back in Bible times, whether it be a carpenter or uh, building a wall or something, when that carpenter, after the end of the day, had finished his work and he'd been sweating and, and toiling all day, he would take his face cloth, he would mop his brow, he would leave it on his work and go. And the person seeing the finished cloth lying there would know the workman will be back for what is rightfully his. He's coming back for his payment. You know, friends, Jesus Christ is coming back for that which is rightfully his, us, the church. He is coming back. So when we read John chapter 20 and verse 7, and the napkin that was about his, Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And the disciples saw that. The custom of the day, they would know, he's coming back, he's coming back. They'd have been excited because they'd have understood Jesus is coming back. They should have done. 
Let's go back to John 11 and finish off this little bit of Lazarus. The third thing that Jesus said was, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Don't forget, three is the number of resurrection in biblical numerology. Loose him and let him go. Again, Jesus could have just spoken and those bandages would have come off. But the people had the responsibility to undo that which they had done. The dead Lazarus was wrapped in bandages by the people. Now the people had to take the bandages off the live Lazarus. Do you see that? Undoing the negative things that you have done. God wants us to take responsibility for the things that we do. Notice the people did what the people could do. Jesus did what the people couldn't do. And then the people did what the people could do. You see? Jesus will do things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. But he expects us to do things that we can do. Like coming to church. I want to be healed, but I don't want to come to church. No, come to church. That is the place of healing. Loose him and let him go. I believe. I mean, there's two things in that, and I wish I had a lot more time. Loose him and let him go. We can say to the devil, devil, loose that person from sickness and let him go. Devil, loose that person from poverty and let him go. Or, or whatever that is. But you know, you can be loosed from something, but you can also be loosed into something. Yeah? Now it's good to lose somebody from sickness, but then you want to loose them into health, which means a job or something like that. You want to loose someone from this into something else. You know, when, when Jesus healed the woman with the issue of infirmity, he said, loose her and let her go. Woman, thou art loosed. Now, she was loosed from that spirit of infirmity, but she was loosed into, so she was loosed from sickness, but loosed into help, whereby she could get a job, she could work, she could associate with people, she could have friends, she could have fellowship, she could enjoy family again. God doesn't just want us to be loosed from the negative, he wants to loose us into the positive. And I believe maybe here today there's some things that you need loosening from. Not everybody. Maybe there's one or two people. You need to be loosed from bad habits. Certain things that aren't right, whether it be smoking or gambling or whatever it happens to be. God would say, be loosed and be let go. The grave clothes are coming off, friends. The grave clothes are coming off. The grave clothes are coming off. Now, don't forget, grave clothes were worn by the dead. But Jesus is the God of the living, not the dead. And so we shouldn't be wearing the grave clothes. But you know, sometimes when we're a Christian and we're being Christian just a few months or a couple of years, there's still some of our old life that comes with us. There's some of our past life, that the, the hang-ups, the, 
the lifelong addictions or problems or so on that we've had for 20, 30, 40, whatever years that come with us. And praise God, you know, Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And that's the responsibility, you know, of individuals, as we've seen, of pastors, uh, evangelists, Bible teachers, the fivefold ministry to help. And praise God, my pastor is a wonderful pastor and he'll sit down with anyone and help them through things. That's his calling. That's what he's really good at. Loose him and let him go. So the three things that Jesus said. Number one, take away the stone. Any stones that need moving so the light of God will shine in. Lazarus, call by name. Come forth. God wants all of us to come forth. Come forth out of the darkness into the light, whatever that means in your situation. And then he said, loose him and let him go. Anything you need loosing from this morning. Not just loosing from, but loosing into. Amen. And that's important to be loosed into. I just want to pray. I know time is going on. I, I, I want to pray. Just a general prayer and and maybe afterwards, after pastor just closes or dismisses us, you know, if anyone wants specific prayer, if you're not going to be here tonight, and tonight there's going to be a longer ministry time, so we've got more time to minister healing for the sick tonight. So if you come tonight, that will be tremendous. If not, I'll be happy to stay on and, and minister to you. Well, let's just pray. Just close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm just going to pray and you can say, Amen. Father... I thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord God, for this story of Lazarus. Lord, you have called us, Father, out of death into life. You've moved away the stone. You've taken away the trappings of death. And you've set us free. For the whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray now that in the hearts of every person in this church today, if a response is necessary, then as we have a time just to worship you now for a few minutes, Lord, that every heart would be open, Lord God. Every heart would be open, the stone would be moved away, that the light of God would shine forth. And Father, every person would speak into their situation and say, whatever it is, come forth. And Father, that which was dead will then come forth. And then Father, we can remove the grave clothes and be set free. Father, I pray all of this now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, if there's anyone that...